episode 137 Raider Colors. We have, well, for the second time, one of our most, if the most, esteemed guests, JT the Brick from Raider Nation Radio, JT and Looney Podcast, Mad Dog Radio. A new book, I believe, is out. Uh, not a new book. My book, The Handoff, has been out for a while. You can pick there that up. The books. And uh, yeah, uh, Raider Nation Radio and all the Raider platforms. Coming off an historic game last night, guys. A, a little historic franchise, franchise record heading into Christmas in Kansas City. So just oh. what we- JT is dialed in. He's looking right at you, Eric. Oh, I know. I can. I can feel. I can feel the stares. Yeah. Well, it, <laughs> well it's look, coming. It's been one-sided with Kansas City. Really one-sided. And I was on uh, television and radio today with Eric Allen, the semifinalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and he did a complete breakdown on why no one can stop Travis Kelsey. And we feel now at least there's momentum coming into this game, and hopefully an opportunity to slow Kelsey down because. It's been a couple of years now, a year and a half or so, without Tyreek Hill, who's been a nightmare. I know Pacheco ain't playing this weekend. Maybe the Raiders have a little bit of a better chance than they've had at Arrowhead in years past. Yeah, definitely. So we And we've been talking about this prior you know, we do a big rivalry episode whenever uh, this Mm -hmm. matchup is coming up. And, I mean, let's just get right into it. I've advocated that I think they're at their most vulnerable uh, based on the way the receiver core is, the defense obviously is really stepping up, and that's kind of what's saving them, I think. Um, and obviously, another double-digit lead last time we faced off with the Chiefs, you know, what two, three, two weeks ago, yeah. uh, three weeks ago, and um, it didn't end up working out. But I, I think we have a pretty decent chance this week, and maybe a chance to get Mahomes a little bit riled up again, like uh, like last week. What yeah, do we look, think? the last two times the Raiders played, they were up seventeen nothing and fourteen nothing. And San, uh, excuse me, Kansas City comes back and just hammers them, hammers them every time. And no matter what the score is, the lead is never safe. The Raiders can't expand on the lead, and they've really struggled in this rivalry since Andy Reid has taken over in the Mahomes era. What I like about the Raiders coming into this one is that the Raiders have tremendous momentum. It's an elimination game. It's a flat-out elimination game. Got to remember, guys, Sunday we end up losing – and get shut out 3 nothing, and probably the low – I've been doing this 25 years. This year 25 for me with the Raiders. Probably the worst all-time regular season loss I've ever seen because of the fact that it was no points, the lowest-scoring indoor game ever, ever, as in ever, since they built the Dome. And for the Raiders to lose that way and then come back on Thursday night football and get Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco fired by winning that game, an embarrassing arrival team, is probably, I think it is safe to say, the greatest turnaround in less than a week in NFL history dating back to leather helmets. So there's something going on with Antonio Pierce. He has control of the locker room. He's got the team right there believing in themselves. But if the Raiders would have beaten the Vikings, we'd be talking 7-7 seven and seven going into Kansas City with a really good outside chance to get that final wild card. Now the Raiders have to run the table. And their biggest game and biggest test is always waiting for them is the Kansas City Chiefs. 100%. And the last time we had you on, JT, you had gotten me pretty moving in favor of the Patriot way. You know, you've sat, you sat down with Josh McDaniels, a lot of interaction with him. I saw you had the chance to sit down with Antonio Pierce right after he was hired. What's, like, the, the biggest difference you're noticing between the two? Well, the, it's the communication. You know, we wanted Josh McDaniels to succeed here with – 
Dave Ziegler, the GM of the team, and good guys. They treated me great. They had a plan coming in, and as you know, a lot of those plans of being the next level of the Patriots is a good plan. It's vetted properly. Detroit did it with Matt Patricia. The Raiders did it with Josh McDaniels. You go around the league, there's always an assistant from the Patriots who's supposed to bring that magic dust to a new team and turn it around. And these guys took a chance. You saw last night a lot of the players that Dave Ziegler drafted played well, right? Michael Mayer, Trey Tucker, Aiden O'Connell played well in the game. But the problem was the message did not reverberate through the organization. And it's unfortunate because Mark Davis spent a lot of money on the coaches and the Patriots coming over here, and it was vetted properly, and it didn't work. And, guys, I thought it would work. You want it to work when you work for the team. You want everybody to succeed. And I give Mark Davis a lot of credit because once he saw the Raiders lost at Chicago and that that was starting to fall apart, the wheels were starting to come off. Then they went to Monday Night Football in Detroit and got smoked. At at three completions and a half, he quickly ate a lot of money, ate a lot of money and said, we want to change this and save this season. So they went with Antonio Pierce, and he's just a better communicator because – He's letting the players have more of a say in what they want to do because Josh McDaniel's style was to game plan. And this is very important. He game plans every individual team differently. Most coaches do that. You play Kansas City, it's a different game plan against the Chargers. Well, the Raiders got away from doing what they wanted to do. And you saw that Thursday night against the Chargers. They came out and said, no matter who's playing, Khalil Mack, And the Chargers were missing a lot of guys in that game. A lot of guys. They were missing Bosa, Mike Williams, Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen. But the Raiders came out and said, we're going to dictate pace. We're going to throw deep. We're going to do what we wanted to do. And it worked. And that plan really wasn't Josh McDaniel's plan. He wanted to do it his way, and it didn't work out. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, we we saw that. But that was one of the arguments, too, that that you could see Raider Nation debating about was maybe – Ziegler should have kept his job in McDaniels, but I get it's a package deal, but I, I, for one, liked his draft. Tyree Wilson is obviously slowly but surely working his way um, into what we like, but I think I do a weekly film study on him, and the physical traits are there. It's just getting his mind right, and then he needs to just be tutored by Max Crosby. I think we're going to see big things from the rookie, especially next year. Well, when you take a guy seventh overall, that's normally where you take a quarterback. And you got to say to yourself, what would have happened if the Raiders took Will Levis? What would have happened if the Raiders took another quarterback there? Or what happens if the Raiders could have traded up and got C.J. Stroud? They didn't. Those were all decisions that they made. They're going to have to live with the decision. But Aiden O'Connell, going back to Thursday Night Football on the franchise record, 63 points, eight different players scored a touchdown in a game. That's the first time that's happened since 1950. 1950. So when you align the stars of zero points on Sunday, 63 on Thursday, something radical happened within the organization that I'm not aware of. I don't know if it was Mark Davis saying enough, we're going to open it up, take the lid off. I don't know if it was Antonio Pierce going to Bo Hardigree, the interim offensive coordinator and saying your way of running the ball is not working and we're going to open it up and go wide. Because I've been saying, the strength of the Raiders is their receiving core, right? They got Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Michael Mayer, Trey Tucker, and Jacoby Myers, who's having a good year. If you have those guys spread out and you're going four wide and the ball comes out quickly, they're really hard to guard. But I think I found out what's going on, guys, and it took me a long time to figure this out until Thursday night. They had to feed Josh Jacobs way too much. 
Like they came into every game saying, we're going to, we're going to run the ball. We're going to run it. And I don't believe in that. I don't think there's certain games you got to go in and say, Josh Jacobs needs to get it 30 times a game. And that was the first game scoring 63 points where Josh wasn't playing. He's a hell of a player. Zamir White got the touches and they weren't heavy dependent on getting Devontae going or getting Josh Jacobs going. Everybody was involved. Everyone got targets and touches, and it was a completely different Raider team. I mean, you really can't can't argue with that. You saw a lot more of the play action uh, really opened the guys up, and and Trey Tucker and uh, Eric's been advocating since before we drafted him about Michael uh, Michael Mayer. Um, if he gets involved, he he's got great hands. He's strong. He breaks tackles. We think he projected he's going to be a top five tight end in the league in the next couple of years if he gets the opportunities. Um, so, I, I mean, I think you're right. We've all seen that stat where if Jacobs gets 20 plus carries, I think he, the Raiders were like eight and two when he gets 20 plus. But, you know, he's gotten 20 plus this year and it hasn't always worked out. So, you know, you yeah. think you're on to something, JT. Well, Michael Mayer is also interesting because there are times they lead him into block, he stays into block. And there are other times where he stays into chip and then runs his route. And he doesn't need to do that. I mean, you got to live and die with your right tackle and your left tackle. They got to do their job and block. And if you're going to leave someone in to chip, lead in jo- leave in Josh Jacobs. He's a really good blocking back. But let, let Michael Mayer line up in the slot or let him line up at tight end and go run a route. Because the key is, is when Devontae's on the field, he's going to be doubled every time. Chiefs are going to double Devontae. Well, you can't double Devontae and double Jacoby Myers. So if you're going to double Devontae, Jacoby Myers, Michael Mayer, and Trey Tucker are going to be in single coverage. Who gives you the best chance to catch a ball in single coverage? I think it's Michael Mayer and Jacoby Myers a close second. So as they go into Kansas City on at Arrowhead, I would hope that the Raiders looked at Michael Mayer as a very young Travis Kelsey because I'm still shocked that when the Raiders play Kansas City, they single cover Travis Kelsey. I lose my bleep in mind. I lose my mind when he gets a free release. Uh, he gets a free release. Next thing you know, he, he's single covered with a linebacker or a big corner. He gets a free release. And before the safety can come down and figure it out, it's going to him. Kelsey makes a head fake. He cuts the other way. He's wide open. And he's taken off with the ball. Because Mahomes knows how to lead him properly. So I think Michael Mayer can do the same thing Kelsey's doing. But. You know, they got to they got to spread it out more. And Aiden O'Connell, I, I was a big fan of putting Jimmy Garoppolo in in the Minnesota game. I think they should have put him in at Sweet. halftime or at the end of the third quarter just to give him a chance. Right. And then you could have put Aiden O'Connell back in, but this is not Jimmy Garoppolo anymore. It's all Aiden O'Connell. He looked really good. He had time, and the ball came out quick. He's missing two starting offensive linemen in the game: Andre James, the center, and Colt Miller. And I didn't see him under any duress all night, and the ball was coming out beautifully. That's going to be hard to do against the Kansas City Chiefs defense. And the Raiders got a baby bye week. Raiders play Thursday night. They don't play not till Monday, the following Monday on Christmas. So this is going to be a 9-10 day rested Raiders with the most momentum they've had in a couple of years coming into this matchup. Yeah, I I can't remember a win that big since I think it was – 59 points or so they dropped on the Broncos, but that was, that was against Josh McDaniels when he was the head coach. Oh, it was. So there yeah. you go. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And the, you know, for the Raiders to wake up today and find out that Brandon Staley and to find out that Staley and Telesco were fired 
and I got into it with some knucklehead on Twitter, which I shouldn't. They're like, well, no. I go, no, no. They, the reason those guys were fi- – Brandon Staley was fired because of the Raiders. The Raiders beat him. Of course Kansas City beats him. We know that. But you can lose to Kansas City and keep your job. You can lose to Kansas City and get swept and keep your job. You can't lose seven in a row to the Raiders like Denver did. So the Raiders fired Vic Fangio, um, Nathaniel Hackett, and now Brandon Staley. Three coaches done because those teams hated losing to the Raiders more than they hated losing to Denver and or the Chiefs or the Chargers combined. That if, when you lose to the Raiders, historically, the fans get – I'll ask you guys. You know this. The fans get a lot more worked up when you lose to the Raiders than when you lose to the Chargers or the Denver Broncos, right? Exactly. It's been a while since you guys beat us, but yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, but the one time it did happen, yeah, you guys, well, then so the Gruden victory lap in the bus. Yeah. Quick question. Yeah. So when I, when I was listening to the radio last night or was this morning, one of the two, I, I get my, my schedule's all messed up, but uh, Q Myers was saying how um, the, uh, it just looked like the Raiders were obviously playing for Antonio Pierce's job and the Chargers were, they just didn't care about Staley. Do you think it was just because of the lack of guys they had or they just, he's lost the room and it's just time to move on. Yeah, it's a good question. I think it was a combination. I think they weren't playing for him. When Jenkins picked up the fumble and scored, no one ran after him. When they fumbled two of the balls and the Raiders just ripped it out of the pile, they just didn't have the heart to hold on to the ball. So Brandon Staley was fired at halftime. You know, they, they're not going to tell you that, but when they went into the tunnel at halftime and then in the post game when he said, you know, this doesn't happen, this is not us, it is them. Brandon Staley is not a good football coach. I should, I think he should have got fired the year before because of his radical decisions on fourth down. That's really the only criticism I have of the guy is when he's in Vegas, he goes for it fourth and 23 in our own, uh, in their, his own end. You know, he's made all these really bad decisions that I think have hurt the team, but look, the chargers were dismantled coming into the game, but the Raiders look at the Raiders, the Raiders. Let's not forget Chandler Jones was on the path to being in a hall in the hall of fame. So if you start from the beginning of the year, no Chandler Jones, no Colton Miller, no Josh Jacobs, no Andre James, the starting center. You know, I'm not going to say that it's the same as Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert and Mike Williams and Bosa, but both teams were pretty decimated on defense. The Raiders wanted it more. And to answer your question, they are fighting hard for Antonio Pierce. And that's what Antonio Pierce likes about what he's got going on in that locker room. They're playing hard. And that's all I judge, man. I'm just a sports talk host. I'm a season ticket holder. I'm a body language guy. If you checked out, you're done to me. If you're playing hard and you lose, I can live with that. And last night, I think every Charger fan, and there's not many of them, as you guys know, there's not many of them. They saw saw that that coach had no control of the team and the team quit. So, so you think Mark Davis will kind of like look at the thing with Rich Passaccia and letting him go, and and the same thing with Antonio Pierce is probably trying to give him better the benefit of the doubt, maybe, and trying to keep him or looking outside the organization again. Yeah, I don't know. I think what Mark's going to do is he's made big decisions. He took a big swing for Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler in that package deal that didn't work. Uh, in hindsight, maybe keeping Basachi around. Uh, Mark was a massive and still is friends, a massive Gruden guy, right? Gruden's one of his dearest friends. And that's something that ended really bizarrely because of what happened with Gruden in the emails and the lawsuit. And I think knowing Mark as well as I do, I think he wants to give Antonio Pierce every opportunity he can 
to prove that he should be the interim head coach that becomes the head coach. This is still a work in progress. You go from zero points to 63 points. That's hard to evaluate, right? You don't show up coming off a bye week and you get no points. And then you come out and you have a franchise record. So I think it's going to be very important. I hope Coach Pierce gets the job. I work with him. I interview him every week. I'm the only guy in town that sits down with the head coach. And he's been nothing but great with this time and very energetic. But there's still some football left. The Raiders have to run the table. After Kansas City, it's Indy, who's a playoff team, and then one of the hottest teams in football, Denver. It's not going to be easy to run three in a row with the schedule coming up here. Right, exactly. And I think I already know the answer, and I hope you already know my answer as well. But you want a three-and-out victory for the remainder of the season. You're not worried about drafts, draft position. Not at all. I've never been worried about draft situation. You brought up a good point before. You, know, you get the seventh pick, which is a good pick, and you take Tyree Wilson. You know, you get the fourth pick and you you go out and you take Cleveland Farrell, right? You get the fourth pick overall in the draft and you take Clee Farrell. You take you get a first round pick and you take Henry Ruggs, who was really developing into a hell of a player before the incident happened and he's in jail. Damon Arnett, you know, you take him in the first round because you're not you don't have a second round pick and you had to get a corner, so you reach in the first round. I'm done trying to figure out draft picks. The only player that I would do anything for, I'm a big Caleb Williams guy. I think he's the closest – I know he's the closest thing I've ever seen to Mahomes because I watched Caleb play in college at Oklahoma and at USC, and I think he was better than Patrick at the same age. Not saying he's going to be the next Patrick Mahomes, but at the same age, he was better. And he's the type of player that if you took off the Trojan logo and put on the Chiefs uniform and said, go run around outside the pocket, he looks a lot like Patrick Mahomes. So if the Raiders had the third or fourth pick in the draft, and they wanted to trade up. I think it's going to be three first-round picks to get him. Three. If Trey Lance, three, if Trey Lance was three, this guy could be five, right? But I think three first-round picks, and I don't think the Raiders want to blow up their draft equity by giving up three picks for a quarterback. But Drake May should go number two, and then you look at some of these other quarterbacks that are available. You start saying to yourself, "Well, if you got the eleventh or twelfth pick or the eighth or ninth, would you move up five spots to get a quarterback?" Possibly. Aiden O'Connell has proven to me that he's a good backup quarterback. And in the next couple of weeks, if he can beat the Chiefs, if Aiden O'Connell can go into Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs as the Chiefs are playing for everything going forward, that's going to change a lot, guys. That makes me look at Aiden O'Connell putting up 63 and beating Mahomes in the following game, trying to save a save save a spot for him next year as a starter. That's I have to see that first. It's hard to believe that could happen. I got to see it first. Yeah, I mean, after the Vikings game, I was I was like you. I'm like, oh, back up. We, we have to go quarterback. And in that range, we're talking maybe not top four, but I'm looking at Jaden Daniels, and then I get attacked for uh, the Jamarcus Russell uh, idea, which I think they're two completely different people. I don't want to go that that route, the LSU issues. Um, I always like Michael Penix for potentially for you guys too, but there's, there's so much left, stuff. The lefty, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Michael Penix, I liked. He's just been injured a lot. He really has been injured a lot. Two he's, had, he's had two knee surgeries. His style, his throwing angle is very different to me. I like his leadership, and that would be a good player. Look, Bo Nix is another example. What happens if Bo Nix ends up playing at a level like Josh Allen, right? Big physical guy who can run yeah. and throw it. There's going to be quarterbacks in this draft that I think the Raiders clearly are going to look at, and but they, got a, they don't have as many holes. What, what I'm so happy about this year, and not the record, 
But I'm so happy that their defense, the Raiders' defense now, can go into any environment and play. Robert Spillane at linebacker. You know, Koontz and Crosby and Tyree Wilson and the middle of the line, Bilal Nichols. To have Robert Spillane, Jacorian Bennett's someone they're trying to groom. And then they get this Jack Jones kid that they came in from the Patriots. And that was one of the greatest – that was one of the greatest interceptions in NFL history. Now, you're not going to see many plays like that. It had to be the perfect storm. But we talked to Antonio Pierce about that, and he spoke about it at the press conference. He saw that on film. They installed it on the walkthrough. They lined up the Chargers in that same formation that they saw in the walkthrough, and not only did he pick it off, two linebackers read it and were going there. So it was just, just goes to show you that Pierce – with the film study and the coaches had the Raiders ready. And I think for Brandon Staley and the chargers, once they came out of the tunnel without Justin Herbert, they knew the night was over. Yeah. And that was, I think even Charles Woodson said something that that was one of the most epic picks he's ever seen. And obviously yeah. coming from the goat, uh, the Raiders goat, excuse me. Yeah. Um, that was in sports center top 10. It was number one on top 10. And you just don't see it. If you look back at the history of the Raiders and the chiefs and the great corners that have played, uh, Lester Hayes, Mike Haynes, Charles Woodson, Rod Woodson, whoever it's been. I don't recall ever seeing a play like that. And those are some of the greatest players to ever play. That's a once-in-a-lifetime type of individual play, and it happened in an onslaught where the Chargers just couldn't stop the bleeding. I mean, at that point, it, 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 the route was on, and it was just good to be in the building, good to be in the stadium where, as you know, there's a lot of Chief fans that buy tickets and Minnesota fans bought tickets. We can't stop that. We can't stop people coming in paying triple the price for a ticket. But last night, uh, Thursday night, it was nice to see 90% of the fans, Raider fans. And a handful, I'll give a couple of the Charger fans credits, guys. There were a couple Charger fans who stayed to the end. I host a post-game show afterwards, and they were walking by, and I was like, impressive. And to be yeah. humiliated and to stay to the end of the game in front of Raider Nation – a couple of those Charger fans really impressed me because that was not the place where a Charger fan wanted to be on Thursday night, I can tell you that. Yeah. Now, that I give them credit. I always stay till the end, and obviously, you know, unfortunately, it's a lot of losses. I think my my road record of, of seeing the Raiders in person is like one, uh, one in oh. six for a yeah, win-loss. Yeah. So I, I got to fix that. But, JT, I know we're running out of time, but because Good. this is a Raiders-Chiefs podcast, mm-hmm. we're going to need an official prediction from you for uh, yeah. for Week 16. Yeah, this is going to be tough because obviously I'm going to pick the Raiders to win and they just came off their franchise high in scoring. I don't think that's going to happen again, but I got a a feeling that it's going to be Raiders 27-26 or Raiders 28-27, but I'll go 27-26. I think that they're going to have to win it late. They're going to have to, and I don't think they're going to have the lead. I think they're going to have to come from behind. The last two games, 17-0, 14-0. I think Kansas City will make some adjustments. I just want the Raiders to play a really solid game, play together. Uh, The energy, hopefully the weather, it's not a big deal for them. And this is a different coach. This is a coach who's not afraid. Uh, The greatest play of Antonio Pierce's career is when he played for the Giants and they went in and beat Brett Favre and he blew up a screen pass that was going to go about 60 yards at Lambeau Field. Antonio Pierce is not intimidated to get off that bus. He's gone up against Andy Reid 21 times, 21 as a player. He knows Andy Reid from the Eagles, Giants, and now as a coach. So I think the Raiders are equipped. 
they're coming off momentum. I just wish, guys, the game wasn't, you know, that many four days out in advance because you have all that great momentum and you want right. to bottle it, and it's hard to bottle something for 10 days, right? It's hard to hold on right. to a momentum like that for 10 days, but they'll be ready to go, and if they win, it's on because then the Raiders have a chance to run the table. If they lose, season's over, literally, and they'll be playing out the string to just try to play spoiler, and I don't like playing spoiler. I like, I like games that matter. So the only thing that potentially worries me about that game, are you wearing the cowboy outfit for the Chiefs? No, the cowboy outfit <laughs> went for the rodeo. That was the rodeo. <laughs> that was the rodeo. I know Charles Woodson had, yeah. uh, had tweeted at you, so you got to wear that now. But yeah, if you wear that, then I'm a little bit more nervous. But. I, you know, I might wear it for home games. I won't wear it on Christmas Day. Uh-huh. And remember, happy holidays to all your viewers and listeners. The game is played on Christmas. And, uh, you know, I look at – I look at – I'll give you another conspiracy theory. I'd rather catch the Chiefs on Christmas because it's the first Christmas for Kelsey and Taylor, the Swifties. And you, <laughs> and you remember, I don't know if you're married, girlfriend, whatever partner, when you look at life, the first, the first holiday, the first Valentine's Day, the first big one with the girlfriend's a big one. And I'm just hoping Kelsey wakes up on Christmas at home, or they'll be in the team hotel the night before. Mahomes has got the little kids, Brittany. They're you know, having fun there. And it's just maybe they're maybe they're just in that Christmas mode with the Swifties. The Swifties all being there. And the Raiders are just eating raw meat and they're in the team hotel. And they're they're pissed off that their kids are op- opening up presents without them and they come to play. That's my Christmas conspiracy theory. I love it. I think, I think it's I think it's accurate, and I think it's gonna happen. I, I need I need Taylor Swift to be involved. And do we know? Do we know if she's going to this game? Do we know? I don't know her tour. Eric, you're you're on you're on the. So the I know the Kelsey. It's, it's her. It's her. It's her birthday this week. Um, and she's obviously out of New York, so I would imagine she'll she would probably be in New England because I know she's not doing any doing any touring stuff before Christmas, especially since we're so close to it. So I wouldn't be shocked if she's at um at the game in New England, and then I would think she would want to spend. You know, Christmas yeah. at, at his I new place. I, so. I think she'd want if she is in that building, mm-hmm. it is a distraction. And Brittany and the is a distraction. And I think oh, Max, this. Max is coming. Max is coming for a little Christmas beer. Guys. She's, stay, she's uh, taking out Al Michaels too. It's just like I, it's, I, I can't. I can't defend it anymore. Well, Al <laughs> Michaels. It's interesting. Al Michaels and Al Davis go back a long way. The late great right. Al Davis. Uh, Al Michaels is not a, Ra- a supporter of the Raiders. As you know, everybody who's a real Raider fan knows Al Michaels does not say great things about the Raiders. And for him to have to call the game, because this stadium we're at is just incredible. And where our seats are, we can look behind us and see the booth where Al Michaels was. And to see Al Michaels have to call the Raiders eight touchdowns by eight different players was just beautiful. That was poetry. For me, but again, it's it's one win, and if the Raiders would have beat the Vikings, I'd be talking to you seven and seven, with nine days off, seven and seven, looking to get to ten wins because that'd be a path to ten. And I even thought this too, guys. If the Raiders didn't lose to the Bears, they wouldn't have fired McDaniel's. So the Raiders don't get Pierce if they beat the Bears. And if the Raiders would have, I thought they out. I thought the best Raider game of the year, other than this last one, was the Dolphin game. They held the Dolphins. And the Dolphins to field goals in Miami. If they would have won that game, the Dolphin game or the Viking game, I think the Raiders would have had a chance for 10 wins 
or at least nine. And the way the AFC is breaking with what's going on with Buffalo and some of the other teams, I don't think you, – you guys don't think nine wins will get in, right? Will nine wins get that last wild card or will it have to be ten? I've looked at all the scenarios. It could I, be nine, but I, I think it has to be ten with 18 games. Yeah. I think if the dogs that are in like the, the one through six position right now, if they just maintain, even if they split yeah. their last four games, I think we'd have to get ten, yeah. Yeah, because look, India, India, Indianapolis at seven – Pittsburgh at seven. There's a bunch of teams that are going to play each other. And the good news for the Raiders is if they get a chance, and it would be a Christmas miracle to beat Kansas City on the road, the next two teams they play, they can eliminate with the same record. They play Indy and Denver. And believe me, they'll want to spoil Denver. This Russell Wilson thing has improved drastically. But for the Raiders to have a chance to go out and play when the Raiders got so screwed on the schedule week 13 by then you play one game, you get the baby buy back here. We wanted to buy like week eight or nine. Yeah. All right. I've been bitching about that, but now this break, this break, they get this break. They get depending on what happens with Kansas city Sunday. And I hope everybody's healthy. I don't root for injuries for anybody, but it's a shorter week for Kansas city. It's a longer week for the Raiders to be ready. And, it's a great rivalry. Kansas City's owned the rivalry, owned it. We know it, but hopefully this coach has the moment that he's been waiting for. And if he wins this game, it'd be hard to think about him not being the coach if he can win in Kansas City. So it's going to be a good one. It'll be a fun game to watch on Christmas. No doubt. 100%. That would be I, – I hope we get the gift of the win and the gift of your conspiracy theory because I'm on board for both. So I would, Even if one of them slipped, slept in and didn't make the game. Like, I – <laughs> One of them slipped in on Christmas and needed the police escort. I'm reaching, but after last night, I'm on cloud nine, guys. Thursday night football to win that game and put up a franchise record 63. It's pretty good right now for the Raiders, and we needed it because, you know, Sunday before that, getting shut out 3 nothing. It was the lowest of the lows and the highest of the highs, and that makes for a good story and a good podcast, I hope. Yes, it certainly did, and we 100% needed it. So we, we appreciate you coming on, JT. It's Thanks, always guys. a pleasure. Everyone yeah, tune in to you. all of JT's uh, media facets. He is the man, and he is the go-to for the Raiders. It's I, re- I appreciate one plug for the new YouTube channel. I, I launched on Ooh. YouTube on some nights when I'm not doing much. I like to get on that. It's YouTube, JT the Brick YT for YouTube. JT the Brick YT. Subscribe if you can. Just hit subscribe. Hit subscribe hit and then. I'll, I'll pop up there and uh, probably pop up on Christmas night too. So I really appreciate you guys. Thank 100%. You, we'll throw that link up there too. Take care, guys. Thank you. Appreciate you, JT. Thank you.